Ahoy hoy, all you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and this is Everybody Trades. What is happening? We have had quite the run in the stock market once again to begin this week. And you know what? I gotta say I'm feeling pretty good about the advice I've given so far. And I don't want to talk too much about the stock market today, nor COVID-19. You know what? I've had a bit of a running commentary, as always, going today on Twitter. So you can follow me at Everybody Trades on Twitter if you want to check out my thoughts on today's market and what have you. Because you know what? Today, let's move on from those two particular topics and on to a bit more of human psychology and behavior and, frankly, self-improvement. Now, if you happen to be a little bit or significantly older than my 37-year-old self, you might be saying, well, what the heck do I have to learn from this kid, right? Well, I've noticed that actually most of my listeners tend to be around my age or younger, so there probably is some truth to that, right? We want to seek wisdom out from people who obviously have more experience and more time to accumulate said wisdom. But I'll tell you what, if there's one thing that I have quite literally as much experience on as anybody on this planet, it's owning a smartphone and all of the psychological and behavioral dynamics that go along with that change in humanity's behavior. And just our whole society, to be honest, has changed in so many ways since the advent of the smartphone. Now, without delving too much into my personal history, this will give you a good idea of of why I say that I have as much experience as anybody on this topic. About 15 years ago, I graduated from the University of Missouri and decided that, you know what, journalism may not be my path forward, and I decided to dive into the stock market. And Well, that had mixed results at the beginning, I'll say. I certainly learned a lot, but eventually, a couple years later, I was fortunate enough to get to move to the the city of Chicago, work at the Chicago Board of Trade as a pit trader, and and during that period was also, it just happened to be 2007, just so happened to be that fall and spring was the advent of of the iPhone. And the reason I said fall first, I realized, well, actually the the iPhone first came about spring of 2007. I got my hands on one that October when Apple did the big price drop is my memory. I, I wasn't willing to pay the what, six, seven hundred bucks, but when I could get my hands on one for two fifty with a two year contract, I was all about it and went down, purchased my iPhone 1, which I still own to this day, by the way. I'm hoping it'll be in a, I can sell it to a museum someday or something as the only guy with an Apple iPhone 1 that still works. But yeah, bought that baby down on Michigan Avenue. And really, it was a truly memorable event because for those of you a little bit younger, you may not realize what a gigantic leap forward the iPhone was. Now, I had had a cell phone, a flip phone, for a few years before the iPhone, but the iPhone wasn't just a phone, right? Of course. It sounds obvious now. It's like Dana Carvey does this routine where he pretends that he's Paul McCartney talking to John Lennon in heaven, and 
He always says, oh, oh, John, we've got, we've all got tiny televisions in our pocket. What do you mean, Paul? Like, that's the whole routine, basically. That was a terrible impersonation of it. But it, it always cracks me up because he's right. We all just have these tiny televisions in our pocket. They aren't really phones now. But one of the deals was at the very beginning when we had these iPhones, there was no such thing as 3G, 4G, much less 5G. So once you were outside of your Chicago apartment or your house, your home Wi-Fi network, your work network, well, you relied on the Edge, AT&T's Edge network, which is a very, very early version of cellular data for all intents and purposes. And basically it had very little broadband. So the effect of this was, even though in, in theory I could get on the internet and go anywhere on the Safari web browser with my iPhone, in reality, it would take maybe a minute and a half to load a web page. Which, don't get me wrong, for the time, that's fantastic. It's still better than AOL back in the day and dial-up and all that crap. But the reality was, is I was mostly texting my friends still, looking up a map, trying to figure out how to get home, try to get to the next bar, that type deal. Because still... No Uber at this point, nothing like that. The point is now now that phones have become so fast, LTE networks nationwide are just lightning fast. Now it's become more than just a television in our pocket. What it's become is it's become instant gratification in our pocket. It's funny when I think back to circa 2011, maybe even as far back as 2012 or as recently as 2012 I should I should say I think about my wife and some of her friends you know again I'm the early adopter of the iPhone lots of people were still slower to adopt they thought well why do I need to pay all this money for a relatively slow internet connection I don't need Facebook on my phone yada 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 Really, there were a lot of people who pushed back against this. And now I think back, now every single one of these people now has an iPhone, an Android phone, whatever it might be. But see, when I first started using my iPhone, it was really a lot for work purposes. Again, I'm a trader. It's really nice to be able to look at at least, again, stock quotes don't take a lot of data. So that's something that or even making trades on an app. Not something that takes a whole lot of data whatsoever. It's not like streaming Netflix or any type of video, which was basically impossible in the early days of the iPhone Edge network. So what I used to refer to the iPhone as, I called it an encyclopedia in your pocket. I mean, just imagine what somebody like you know, say an Abraham Lincoln or various scholarly types, people who are huge readers, absorbers of knowledge, what they were able to do by candlelight and with access to just a limited amount of material. I mean, can you imagine what Abraham Lincoln would have done with an iPhone? At least if he retained his same level of curiosity. Because who knows? Because again, while I call it an encyclopedia in your pocket, again, it's really also instant gratification in your pocket. And I wonder if Abraham Lincoln were around today or Copernicus or various historical figures, weighty people of intelligence and 
high, high historical significance. I wonder if they, too, would instead be getting caught in what I call the refresh trap. You see, these social media companies, whether it's the Facebook, Instagram conglomerate, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, all these various types of things, and the various apps that have notifications and what have you, they know that there's some part of our weird human brain that is satisfied by refreshing our social media and getting new pictures, new tweets, whatever it might be. Notice on Instagram and Facebook. Let's get back to them. I've especially noticed it on Instagram. I've only been on that product for a couple years now. One thing I've noticed is you can never get to the top of your Instagram feed. Every time you flip it back to Instagram, they're going to show you a new photo one way or the other. So there's just, again, an endless amount of instant gratification, a low level of dopamine or whatever is being released in your body chemically, mentally, that is satisfying you. And ultimately, that doesn't sound like an encyclopedic endeavor, does it? That sounds like a whole lot of time wasting. And here's the thing. If you think about human nature, you think about human history, well, really, the last maybe two, three generations, let's say really before the baby boomers, did any human beings really have time to just sit around and think about themselves and you know, look at a bunch of pictures of their friends and worry about who's going on vacation and just that kind of stuff. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is previous generations were challenged by actual survival in a quite literal sense in many ways. Not only to grow food, maintain food, shelter, clean water, and obviously these problems exist in pockets of the world to this day. But I'm talking about mainly the Western world, the privileged, wealthy world, if you will. Well, what we're challenged by is, frankly, lethargy. Because we don't have the need to gather and hunt as previous generations did, well, that creates a void. It creates a mental and a physical void that will be filled by something. And that void is either going to be filled by something positive or something negative. I really, really believe that people have to start forcing discomfort upon themselves. And I don't mean huge discomfort. I don't mean starving for a week looking for food in the Serengeti as people have done throughout time. No, I mean I mean challenging ourselves. I mean putting down that phone. Just little things like, hey, I'm going out to dinner with my family tonight. I'm leaving the phone in the car. Little things like exercise and diet. Yes, we can all eat fast food or Snickers bars. We can drink alcohol every single day. Marijuana is now legal all over the place. Guess what? During this COVID period, this quarantine period, well, we can either advance in this quarantine period. So there's going to be some people in this quarantine period who are going to start running and doing push-ups and start reading books. And then a lot of us are just going to binge watch television and drink and frankly, just put on weight and lean into lethargy. 
there's really no third option. That, that's really all of life. You're either growing or you're receding. There's very little things in this world that are static. I mean, even the Rocky Mountains are imperceptibly eroding as we speak. Nothing stays the same forever. So the challenge is we as people have to make a choice. Do we let this technology, these smartphones, do we let it play us or do we use it as a tool for our own, for our own advantages? Frankly, this quarantine, no matter what you think about it, and honestly, I'll stand behind just about everything I've said about it, but no matter what you think, maybe you think I'm all wet. The reality is this period is what it is, and I kind of hate that cliche, but my point is is we can't change reality. So you can either make the best of it or make the worst of it. There's really no third option. I promise you that. Honestly, just start accomplishing little things. If there's a project that you've been meaning to do, get on the phone and at least call somebody up to do it. There's a step. Or by golly, do it yourself. If there's some clothes that have been sitting in your laundry basket, put them away. If they've been sitting out there for a month, just get them out and put them away. You'll be amazed at these little things that you've been avoiding doing for weeks, perhaps months. Again, I'm speaking from my own experience here. I'm not trying to act like I've never procrastinated on anything. Believe me, I've had plenty of procrastination in my life. I just promise you there's never been a moment of procrastination that I've looked back on and thought, gee, golly gee, I'm sure glad I did that beyond something that was based on total luck and and happenstance. The point is just little tactile things, even if it's just diet and exercise. And by the way, by diet, I don't mean you have to starve yourself. I'm just saying don't eat that Snickers bar. It's short term. You know, don't don't drink every day of the week. Drink when you've earned it. Drink out drink on Saturdays after a nice good week of work, that type of deal. Cuz by golly, drinking is fun. I enjoy drinking a heck of a lot. But again, it's a short-term joy. The long term, you're going to be hung over, especially when you do it over and over again. Nothing makes you more lethargic. Nothing makes you moodier in my experience. Once again, this is my experience. Nothing makes me moodier, more lethargic than multiple days of drinking. So, again, I I find, frankly, the phone is very much the same thing. The more you stare into the phone, the more lethargic you get. And, frankly, the more you move, the more that gathers momentum as well. That's the irony, is not only do positive actions, movement, actual literal movement, that stuff has momentum. But you know what? Laziness lethargy, mental depression, that sort of thing. You know what? That kind of thing has its own momentum as well. So choose which path you want to be on very wisely. So with all that, hope you guys enjoyed. That was a bit of a diversion today, but you know what? I really thought it was something that needed to be said because, again, quite honestly, find somebody who has more than 13 years of smartphone experience. You can't do it. So take my advice with that in mind. And with all that being said, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks for joining me once again. I am John Miller, and this has been Everybody Trades. Everybody Trades.